Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Mission Daily. I'm Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org, and I'm joined by my very tall co-host, Albert Chow. Five foot ten. Albert, how's it going? Good. <laughs> Feeling tall. I always tell people I'm five ten. They, you know, it throws them off. All right, we'll see you next time. We're in person, back to back, buddy. It'll be. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna prove this for once and for all. <laughs> I'm like six two, but I, I just. Oh I'm really? Yeah, I just oh. I'll just tell people I'm five ten because a lot of males overstate their height, so I understate mine to make My them God. look bad. Okay, like that's even funnier now. That's even funnier. I actually did think you were taller than me. Anyways, <laughs> to get back to the point of the episode today, today I really wanted to talk about problem solving, um, and where this comes from is we're launching a new show, everyone, um, in partnership with Lawrence Livermore National Labs. They are a laboratory who, I mean, they do a ton of national security things. They secure like 90 plus percent of the nuclear stockpile here in the U.S. And a lot of their technology is actually in things that we use day to day, everything. Yeah. So yesterday I was talking and interviewing their director for one of the episodes, and they just had a big scientific breakthrough um, around fusion ignition, which is all around nuclear and I will try and explain it the best way I can, but essentially they were trying to get more energy out than they were putting in from this laser. That's the best way I can explain it. Apparently this has never been done. Um, and the person who originally thought of this idea, it was like 60 years ago, this guy who thought of like, this could happen. It just got proven maybe like in December or January of 2023. Um, so it's a huge breakthrough. And I was asking her, how did you guys solve this problem? Like what did you do differently? I mean, it took a while. It was thought about 60 years ago. And so what did you do differently to make this happen? And she said that essentially for a while, they were just trying to make minimal improvements to the process over and over. Um, and they were thinking about it the same way they had been thinking about it. And so the only reason they had this breakthrough was because they brought in a different team to approach the problem in a different way. And I thought that was a very interesting concept to explore today because how many times, whether it's in our personal life, whether it's business, whatever it might be, are we just trying to tackle the problem in the same way or copy others? And so that's what I want to talk about today, um, all stemming from this Lawrence Livermore breakthrough they had. Right. So, but the first question I have is there had to have been some qualifications, this new team, and this team wasn't unqualified. This new team had to have, I don't know, physics nuclear engineering like they had to know something like there's yeah. no way they could just bring in someone who knew nothing and solve yeah. this problem this and uh you know i love i love hearing stories like this because you know we always joke about it. ideas are everywhere and i'm sure like 60 years ago i this idea existed but the idea mm -hmm. the reality is whether it's technology uh data knowledge expertise whatever we just didn't have enough mm -hmm. couldn't solve the problem incrementally we're got, we're working towards solving this problem and then a new team with this at, at, at the basics i would assume they had the similar background what background did these people have or did they introduce a new background that maybe came from another field or another discipline that was previously not part of the team yeah i think um so one they have over eight thousand employees at this lab and so they have a very diverse set of skill sets um, so I think they did pull in people with different backgrounds. Uh, the one cool thing, though, was the man who first thought of this 60 years ago, he was still there. So now he's 90 and he still works at the lab. I'm like, that's, yeah, he's still there, comes His to work every day. His still working? Yes, Dude. yeah. Big I'm like, what ups is he doing? to him. I know. So Big he ups was, to him. Wow. I need he, to 
figure Separately, out what he's doing. We got to talk to him about longevity because this guy clearly is uh, doing something right. His brain's still clicking at that pace at 90 years old. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. And the first thing he said after the breakthrough happened, he was like, okay, now we need to make it even better. And so he was already like on to the next, which I'm like, that's a baller. But I, I think that, of course, these people still had the capabilities, this new team. They still understood what they were trying to do. Uh, but I think they just brought in new minds to look at the problem differently. And when I started looking more into this of like, how does one actually approach a problem differently? Because I think that's very hard. I mean, oftentimes it's easy just to look around and copy or come in and be like, okay, what have you guys been doing? I'm just going to make some incremental improvements. Um, and of course, the first thing I stumble on is first principles thinking, which it's something that Elon Musk actually is kind of more known for. Um, but the first person who even talked about this was actually Aristotle about 2000 years ago. And so first principles reasoning or first principles thinking is essentially about breaking down a complicated problem and you're breaking it down into the most basic elements and then you reassemble from the ground up. And so if you look at some of the best thinkers in the world, this is what they did. They didn't, um, like essentially Musk always says, most people are reasoning by analogy, aka you're looking around and you are copying what's already been done or you're trying to just make improvements to make something better. Whereas for him, he's like, every time he's ever gotten into an industry, he goes to the very bottom of like, what are the actual truths? And so he'll give examples about rockets, about batteries, about solar. And he doesn't just look to what other people are doing. He's like, what are the things that are actually true? Um, which I think to me is a powerful way to think about anything, whether it's business, trying to solve a certain problem, not looking at what you're already, you've already done, but thinking, okay, what is the actual problem? And what am I trying to get to? And thinking outside of what's already been done because what I like current solutions I think can actually box you in so you can't think creatively because you're like oh yeah they're already doing it this way how can we adjust that process instead of being like no here's the thing that we're trying to solve for let's think about how we can recreate it from scratch a possible solution instead of just going with what's already out there so this is uh, I used to do a talk on this and and there's many many examples I'm not the only one that came this but the talk went along the lines of most of the great innovations are from people outside of that industry, whatever it is, but mm -hmm. they always come from people outside that industry. And it's phrased in many different ways. I like to use the one that stuck with me is curse of knowledge, but the curse of knowledge states that effectively it's a, what you know can be a curse because you assume kind of like what you just said, Steph, which is the next step in the evolution of solving a problem is within the parameters of what you know. Yep. And therefore, it limits you to thinking about what is in front of you or what you already previously tested. So yes, you can make incremental improvements. But a lot of times, the big groundbreaking changes in, it's in many different fields. It's in marketing. It's in movie making. It's, it's, it comes from people outside of the industry who have not done things that way for that long. So they mm -hmm. do not know what you have accomplished. So they're thinking of it, maybe a clean slate uh, is a great way to say it, or at least the other thing is like, because I, I feel it for myself, like the curse of knowledge also is all the things that you've done that didn't work. You can easily assume that that will not work again because it didn't work last time. Or you've experienced enough failures where you just assume that that's a bad path to take. And I, I can tell that for myself, being someone who's 43 and being a part a bunch of startups, there's already things where I can tell where I'll be like, ah, that probably won't work based on what I know before. It's also exists in medicine. So like a lot of times when you see um, misdiagnoses, so for example, if you've always seen 
if you've been a practicing doctor for an extended period of time and someone comes up with an except, ex, uh, exceptional case, a lot of times doctors will misdiagnose it, not because they're not good doctors, but because they've only seen things a certain way for so long. They just don't think, oh, it could be like, I'll, I'll say this one of my son's friends, he got misdiagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. Like he didn't, he did, he, they, they told him he had the flu. Like, oh, you're, you're just sick. Right. It's like you have the flu, but he's like, no, it turns out he had Hashimoto's, mm. um, which is very rare. And so you, you can see like how your experience can become, I wouldn't say a hindrance, but it can be limiting because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it makes you a bad at what you do, but it possibly could limit what you think or what you can do. Yeah. I mean, it's here for a reason in many cases. I mean, that's, you know, how you are a human. It's by compiling all these experiences and knowledge and being like, okay, I'm going to let that guide my path forward. And I think it's interesting to stop and pause and be like, okay, what are my beliefs right now that are boxing out creativity? Because I'm saying, okay, all these things won't work. Do I actually believe that? Especially if you're not moving forward. Are you boxing out creativity? I think you can be if you're doing what you just said, where you're like, okay, I've already been in this field for 20 years. And so I've seen everything. I know what that is. That looks like the flu. Like it's not really thinking creatively about a problem. Um, but I guess if it's not really their problem, maybe that's also why it's not something they're pushing forward. You know, if it's your own problem, you're like, okay, now I've been trying everything. I've tried these 50 things and it's not working. So Lorenzo's oil is one of the most fascinating stories uh, for anyone who's ever seen it. Uh, it's uh, I believe it's either, it's either Lou Gehrig's or ALS really, or I think those are the same thing. Excuse me. It's, it's for ALS. And uh, for anyone who is not familiar with ALS, uh, it's basically a protein that co- – it's basically proteins that are covering your uh, brain cells. And what happens is – or a plaque. And once this plaque starts building up, your brain can't connect signals anymore. And you lose motor function. Like really bad. It's horrific what mm-hmm. happens to people. And if you watch the movie Lorenzo's Oil, but it's about the dad who had no medical training, who basically would not accept that this was his son's fate. Mm-hmm. Now he didn't solve ALS, but he did figure out a, um, um, a medicine, medicine that slowed it down. And he's not a doctor, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean. That's... So like, kind of like you, like he didn't have a choice. He wasn't able to just be like, oh, well, it's someone else's deal. I won't solve it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I will solve this. Yep. And I mean, I mean... yeah, I think it's a great story. Yeah, that's the uh, the doctor that I worked with as well, who looked at my 23andMe and all that. She was solving a problem for her two sons, and she had gone to all the doctors, paid lots of money, and everyone was kind of boxing her sons into this one category. And she was like, okay, I'm going to solve it myself. And so she is not a classically trained doctor, and yet she's on the boards of the best doctors and longevity experts in the world because she has something different and you know it's a mix of things but it's thinking outside the box i think instead of just assuming like oh yeah these doctors know best they've seen thousands of patients so how does this apply though to let's say your everyday life because for a lot of us or a lot i'll just speak for me in general i like i'm getting older i can tell i can tell i've already started like leaning out of things that i don't think i can contribute (laughs) to (laughs) like i'm already kind of setting my my mindset up and i'm leaning more towards things i understand a little bit more um that's just the way i'm operating yeah you know and i I get it feel like you should open your mind i'm like oh man i I, sometimes i feel like i don't want to learn new things anymore either (laughs) you literally sound like you're past like 90 yeah not yeah jeez <laughs> i am I, i'm an old man at heart i think so 
I think you are. Maybe you've just lived a lot of previous lifetimes on this earth and you're just like <laughs> over it. I don't know. We'll have to look at that one time. <laughs> but okay, we'll go to me then. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly facing challenges, whether it's with mission, whether it's with, you know, home life, co-parenting with like, you know, an ex-husband. Like there's so many problems I feel like that I'm constantly thinking about. Um, and so the first thing that I think about is what's something that's kind of lingering? What is something that I feel like I just can't move forward on or I haven't gotten the end result that I want? And so we'll just stick with the company stuff maybe because, you know, don't want to get too personal, maybe in future episodes. But if we think about the company stuff, I mean, for a little while there, you know, we lost all these sponsorships um, and we were just like, okay, now what do we do? And I feel like there was definitely a moment where I was feeling kind of stuck. Like, man, we've been doing things in this way for a while now and we're trying to do them again in the same way. We're trying to solve the problem in the same way. And that's how we came to this problem was in the same situation. And so I think for that exact scenario, I know I was writing down like, what are other things that I would do if I were to rebuild this company all over again? How would I actually structure it? If I pretend the current company is not even here, I'm taking out any way we've ever made money in the past, any way we've had a team structure, anything that got us here. And I would just say, day one, I want to start this thing over again. What do I want to build? How do I want to have like obtain revenue? How do I want to think differently about the kind of content that we want to tell or the stories that we want to tell? And that to me is, I think, what has led us on a better path now than maybe we were previously, a more defensible path by thinking outside the box and not letting our past successes, because we were successful for quite a while and it was easy just to stay in that model. So once I kind of got out of that thinking and started writing down like, what do I want to build from scratch all over again? And how do I want to assemble these pieces that gives us a more defensible you know, financial future? What we're doing now, I would say is quite a bit different than what we were, do- were doing in the past. If there's hints of similarities, but there's also pieces that are very, very different. Um, so that's an example of just kind of rethinking from first principles of like, what's the problems we want to solve here? What do I care most about? And what are some other methods to getting clients or having people who want to partner on these stories in a different way than we were doing before? So that's one example work-related though. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're the boss. That's why you got to be in charge. You know what I mean? That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think you can do it in personal life stuff as well. I think that oftentimes, um, I mean, if you're thinking about co-parenting, it's like you've done everything you can to try and make something work. And you're like, man, it's still not working. Like, what is the hang up here? And so I think if you're able to strip away emotions around a problem and kind of, you know, being in a victim state or whatever it might be, and just take all of that away and be like, okay, here's maybe what this person wants. And here's what I want. Like, what, what is not meshing here? And what maybe can I add to that equation to make it go better? And taking full responsibility to be like, what can I personally do to try and like just help influence this in a way that'll get the outcome I want, but maybe there's things in the middle that'll make them happy. Um, So that's the same thing. It's oftentimes I think that you're trying to force the same solution and you both come to a halt and that could be friendships, that could be literally dating, like whatever you want to call it. Uh, But it's like getting caught up in the problem instead of backing away and be like, okay, where do we want to go? How do I strip away all the emotions tied to it? And think through like a different solution to get us there and take away anything that we've done in the past that maybe has kept us in this holding pattern. When I hear you talk, I got to ask, do you constantly think about like how to improve your life or something like that? Like these thoughts I mean, do not cross my mind. I just yeah. told you, like I, I don't. 
Yeah. I've never sat there and been like, oh, I got to do this for my relationship or I should do this for my parenting yeah. style. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I do. Maybe I constantly I'm static and boring. I'm I don't know. Like, I, do I the think same I, thing all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they do say that like ninety percent of your thoughts are the same thoughts you had yesterday and the day before. So, knowing that, um, yeah, I think I am. Mine's one hundred and twenty. <laughs> 150% of my thoughts are the same I had when I was 10 well, years old. Well, I only old. have three thoughts, so I just keep repeating them. Where's my food? What am I working I think, on today? Where are yeah, my kids? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, listen, how do I go surf more? <laughs> what do I need to make my life easier? Why am I not doing that? Okay. Well, you, okay, those are some bigger thoughts that could transfer into other things. But, I mean, yeah, I will say that I think my days are definitely spent around how do I make life better for me? How do I make sure that I'm playing in the spaces that I want to play in? How do I make sure I'm building the things I want to? How do I show up and be a better partner? What are the things that are holding that back maybe? Um, How do I show up and be a better parent? Like, what do I think that's kind of missing here? Or how can I support my kids different? Uh, Because they all need to be supported in such different ways. So just being very thoughtful about, you know, what my one twin needs versus my other twin. Um, How to support my ex-in-laws. Like, yes. So yeah, my life is definitely spent analyzing like how am I going to make sure that I'm happy on the path that I'm on because so often you can be on a path and not even realize that it's those little moments throughout the day that are putting on a whole different trajectory and you wake up and you're like oh I'm actually not even doing the things that I want to do because I kept letting these little micro moments literally veer me off course without even realizing it and I I mean there's whole analogies around airplanes yeah so now (laughs) we got to apply what we talked about earlier at the top of the show what'd you call them first something yeah you can call it first principles reasoning or first First principles principles reasoning thinking yeah okay so since you do think about improving your life uh work life it all commingles yeah and you suffer from curse of knowledge because you are who you have experienced this life. You have you know your children better than anybody. Mm-hmm. You know your uh, you know your former spouse as good as anybody, probably better than anybody. Yeah. You know everyone in your life better than anyone else who's ever walked their shoes in your life. So now, are you? Do you think thinking of solutions that are incrementally better, or are you attacking your own life with this first? principle i don't even know what's what's called again first First principles reasoning (laughs) first principles reasoning yeah are you rebuilding your life based on truths yeah that's the magic question yeah so i will say that i was not up until two years ago when i entered into different ceremony spaces and i was able to zoom out of whatever these situations were and think about it from a more non-emotional space and not bring past into current solutions that I was trying to work on, which is really hard when you've been with someone for a decade, when you've had your kids for, you know, a couple years, five years, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to be like the past equals the future, especially when you're caught up in the emotions of past relationships, maybe. Um, So I would say, have I always done that? No, it's a very more, it's a much more recent thing that I've brought into my life to make sure that I'm not bringing just the past into how I'm handling the present right now. I'm not bringing those emotions of what I was caught up in back then. I'm just leaving the past in the past and essentially letting every single day influence the solutions and thinking through, okay, right now where we're at, what can the solutions be? Same thing with my kids. Like it's so easy to just merge them all together and be like, oh, this worked for my older son. So let me do it for my younger son. And I try and to be very, I try and be very cautious about like, this is one individual human being who's very different from my other, who's very different from my other, who's very different from my stepdaughter. 
And so I think now I'm a lot better at um, treating each of them in a very personalized approach and not letting even how they were six months ago influence how I work with them today. So yes, I'd say I'm better and I'm getting better at doing that. And it's still good to check myself occasionally to make sure that I'm not, you know, bringing in past stuff or just merging experiences and events together um, because I don't think that's helpful when, at least when I've done that in the past. Probably save for another episode, but I think I think we're going to have to use uh, or reveal some tangible examples uh, because those are more broad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like, I think giving like tactical stories of like, hey, when this happened, this is how I chose it, and this is why. I think our audience might appreciate that. All right. Well, let's do it in the next episode then. Let's go. Thanks, everyone. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.